Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey there, this is Andy Stitch, and you're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Now the fever's covering the entire studio. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Ah, I will. And you're going to say it. I had to say it. I should have worn my more cowbell t-shirt. You know, I got one, right? You do have one, don't you? I do. Welcome to Lost and Rewound. My name is Alon. I'm Allison. And my name is Jimmy. We are here every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash pledge is where you go to give a little bit. Give a little bit of your love Give a to little us. Bit. Yeah. Get a little bit of your love dollars to, to us. And, Whoa. And, and, and we're, look, we're a non-for-profit. It's a good cause. Please, if you have any interest in helping the arts, we know you do. It's a hard time for all sorts of good causes. And, you know, keeping arts in the way that it is right now in this time of tumultuous censorship is uh, something that we should not be uh, overlooked. So we are here to bring you good shit. That's true. The government ain't going to put no dollars in no art. Ain't going to be no, no money going towards creativity. And uh, you know why? Because we ain't making why? no cash right now. Nope. No cash. Nope, 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 nope. Zero dollars ca- to be. I am making cash. Hey. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I may not make sense, but I make dollars. You know what I'm talking about? RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR is our profile page. Go there. You'll see a link there that you could sponsor our show and be a Generous sponsor, one dollar, two dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, so many different amounts. Um, and if you want to go check out all of our old episodes and see what you're getting into before you do that kind of sponsorship, go to lostandrewound.podomatic.com. All of our past episodes are there. For anyone out there that doesn't know what this show is about, go home. We're about. <laughs> <laughs> There's an audio file sitting over there at a board, and this is about an audio time capsules, things that you've got from back in time. So if you do want to send in any of your actual old recordings, you can do so to Lost or Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. When did we get to open our time capsules in fourth grade? Uh, I think, isn't it like 10 years or 15 years later? Is it 15? So we passed think, by already. Honestly, I think the best time capsules are 30 years, but I already that up by opening up all my time capsules well before that time oh did you like unleash any kind of horrible diseases into the atmosphere not as horrible as the disease that's sitting in your membrane right now whoa rough dude (laughs) 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 you cut me to the core baxter let's begin right now
Since graduating last year from Mary Mount Manhattan with a BA in theater performance and playwriting, Nancy Pop has gotten to work. When she isn't working as a writer and associate producer for Two Market Media, Nancy serves as co-host for her own podcast called Coffee and Anal and co-hosts a monthly women's comedy showcase at Artichoke Bastille's right here in Bushwick. Joining us right here in the studio, welcome Nancy Pop. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, what a warm welcome. welcoming. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you guys so much. Of course, of course. This guy, he knows how to, you know, he knows how to just uh, tickle people, you know. He's really getting them juices out of there, really making it sound all nice and plump. I want you to do my intros all the time. Make, make me sound better than I always am. Okay. <laughs> I will. Sure. Happy sure. to do that. Uh, Nancy, Allison is the reason that you're here. Um, Allison's the reason I'm here. She's my mother. I no. <laughs> Work mother or like illegitimate? Like... My biological mom. All around. I'm wow. her spherical mother. It's a, I it's came a ma- out of her. Yeah. Yes. It's a magical Facts. thing. You know, we could tell you a lot later. We could give you the whole explanation as to how that works, but this isn't biology class. <laughs> nah. This, this is, is a time capsule radio show. We're not going to get too scientific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met through um, our, our friend, friend Adam. Adam. He told you about fire signs, and then yeah. I came to Death Pussy, yeah. and then we drunkenly hugged at your yeah. open mic, and the rest is history. Oh, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention that is the name of the monthly showcase. Fire Signs Present. Fire Signs Presents. How did that come about? You are a fire sign, I assume. I am a, uh, I am a Leo, and my co-host, Meg McDermott, is a Sagittarius. I'm a Sag. Oh, my God. We are so passion-driven. We, we are you Sages? <laughs> I don't know what I what what's what's I'm what's I think, I'm, I think I'm a water you a Le- sign. You're a Leo too, I'm aren't a cancer. you? You're a Cancer. So so I want to say that crabs are usually on a dinner plate, but I assume that they come from the ocean first. So what one sign? would hope. What a sign, right? What a, uh, is that a water sign? I have no idea. I just know Cancer's a crabby. My dad's a Cancer. Oh boy. Oh your boy. Dad like that. She already knows. You, I already know what you like. You're my dad, and Allison's my mom, and. Uh, Elon's my uh, cousin. Aww. Cousin Elon. <laughs> it's a family moment. Hey, it's your cousin. <laughs> Does that mean that at one time we banged, Jimmy? What? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew that relationship dynamic before I came here. Oh, goodness. <laughs> we're, get, we're going Family. There. We're going there. It's only just begun. Your um, involvement in comedy, uh, obviously, is it seems like why you guys met. And uh, with the Fire Signs event, how long has it been going on now for? Uh, next Wednesday will be our seventh monthly show. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, aging well, aging very nicely. It is a very important, uh, time to be highlighting women in comedy. And what the impetus for it was to bring attention to the fact that women in comedy need more of a spotlight. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's more of a variety show. So we do have comedians, but we also have slam poets. We nice. have musicians. Yeah. We had a hula hoop artist from the Chris Gethard show, Mimi on the Hoops. She nice. came in two months ago. She was fucking awesome. Can I say that? You yes. absolutely yeah. can. Yeah. Fuck! Whoa, take it easy, though. Okay, no, just Roll kidding. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I know, like, a professional hula hooper as well. Like, that's just a thing that's happening in the world How? now. How do I know this person? She's a bartender. And I was like, what's your real job? And she's like, a hula hoop. I was like, that have I drank sound. too much or is that a real, are you talking to real? And she showed me, like, YouTube videos. What is she, where, is she a little in. bit, like, festivals and stuff? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't ask too much. Uh-huh. Hula festivals. Hula well, fest. They do that at a lot of, like, music festivals. My friend used to do it for a living. She would do light up hula hooping, get paid a lot. I could hula hoop. You could she do it. You can do it. You could make it happen. I feel like anytime that somebody busts out a hula hoop, I just will do it to show people that I got hula skills. And I don't know why, but I feel like I just want people to know. 
My sister had a Barbie hula hoop when we were kids, and so you mean you? It was the only hula hoop that we owned. So every now and again, I was like, "Well, fuck it, I might as well just try and hula hoop." So in private, I didn't play with Barbie dolls. I just played with a Barbie hula hoop, and then it broke. Did you ever use that thing? I can't remember what it's called now, but you would put it around your foot, and it had like a big weight on the end of it. Skip it. Oh, skip it was the. Oh, I loved those things. Those things made me so happy. I want to skip it for Christmas. It was like hula hooping for your ankle. Um, but every so often you'd like, did you ever slam it into your kneecap? No, no, but that sounds like. <laughs> I remember a, kneecapping myself quite a few times. If you are an accident prone child, like I might have been a little bit, I imagine that you would definitely have that happen. That would definitely happen. Well, after years of training, I no longer hurt myself on child's games. How did you get into the hobby of kneecapping, harming yourself with the um, ankle hoop? I, you know, I just feel as though in the old days, I used to try to absorb all the pain with my knees. I figured they'll be fine. Hmm. They're strong. There's probably a Chinese proverb for that. It's Puerto there Rican. should be. Puerto Rican proverb. A per- uh, what was a Puerto Rican proverb for uh, damaging yourself? Puerto Rican proverb for damaging yourself is, hey, forget about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, the guy looks worse. <laughs> It's, that's the what you always say. The other guy looks worse. That's, that's what you always say. Even if you hurt yourself and there was no other guy. Hey. Perfect. <laughs> you see, did, but, but did you see him? Did you? I mean, come on. She. I got pictures of him on my Instagram. I beat him up when I took pictures and I posted it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nancy, had you visited New York before uh, you came here for college? Um, I came for my college auditions about seven months before I moved here. And I actually hated the city. I was walking around just being like, oh, my God, it smells like shit. The people are annoying. There's like five homeless people asking me for money. Someone's talking to me about cancer research on the street. I just don't have time. Yeah, I just hated it at first, but I didn't have any other um, places I applied to for school. So I came here and then, I don't know, a few days later, my mind changed. Hmm. Where where did you come from originally? Uh, I moved here from Arkansas. So I grew up from the age of 10 to 18 in Arkansas. Go Razorbacks, and then I uh, so moved here when I was 17. Very different from New York. Yeah. You grew up in Arkansas after moving from Romania, is that correct? So I moved from Romania to Erie, Pennsylvania when I was four. I lived there for a few years when my mom was in school, and then we moved to Arkansas when I was 10. That was a lot of moving around. I know, and it's all these like different cultures. It's just like powing you in your face. Yeah, Erie and Pennsylvania. I was going to set up a question just about comparing Romania to Arkansas, but... They're and not that different. I was going to say. <laughs> That's funny. Do you speak Romanian? I do. So my, my grandma was actually here over the weekend, and she doesn't speak any English. But uh, I went out to do the to get groceries one morning. I was gone for like half an hour, 40 minutes. And the entire time, she managed to sustain a conversation with my roommate speaking only Romanian. And he just had to kind of like figure out what the, you know, what the fuck she was talking about. Do you speak Arkansas? Arkansonian. I can surely bring out that Southern drawl for y'all. <laughs> Arkansonian. I dated a, a Romanian girl when I was in middle school. In middle school, and then everyone, and then people, it's funny because I would meet Romanians and they'd be like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> and then I would say her name and they go, "Oh, that's a Romanian name, Raluca." Raluca. Raluca. I don't know. Never heard that name, but sounds so. I just got good enough. Well, she believes me. How are you as a kid, Nancy? In terms of uh, salacious activity. <laughs> Drugs, hmm. sex, all the no nine. Or were you pretty uh, removed from all that? In Arkansas, my dad was a police officer growing up. Cool. And he was actually the security guard at the schools I went to. So I could never get away with anything. I actually didn't even smoke pot until like two or three years ago. I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And uh, I, I confided in my dad one day that I had tried marijuana. 
And my dad was like, you're going to become an addict now. You're going to be homeless on the street in two years. You're going to be gay. And he just like went <laughs> off. <laughs> He's like, you're going to be gay. And I'm like, oh, I'd rather be gay than like not smoking weed. <laughs> wow. Well, and, that's uh, the first step towards becoming a homosexual. Yeah. Trying to weed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. According to his uh, wow. thought process with that. No, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really do anything. Um, I was super shy for a while, and I was a really dorky girl in like the sixth, seventh grade. I had buck teeth, I had zits on my forehead, wouldn't talk to anyone, wore my hair in a ponytail every day. I just looked like Michael Jackson. So I want to say that you describing the way that your father views drugs to me is the exact opposite of like training day. Right, <laughs> yo, try this. Try this meth. It's the only way you can really know how we can bust these guys. I mean, my parents were very with alcohol. They were like, if you want to drink, drink in the house. Like, we don't care about that, but just be safe. And if you want to try stuff someday, try it around people you trust. You know, like they still gave me the smart tools to go forth into the world and not become a full blown addict. But even then, it's like a little bit of blow here and there, a little bit of marijuana, a little bit of whatever. <sighs> I don't even know what crack. you just said, but I'm. <laughs> Just don't you crack. Just don't you crack. Uh, like, so the, the best thing is that my father, if he ever sees me drunk, he just makes fun of me and makes me feel bad for drinking. He's just like, oh, look at you, you dumb little drunk guy. Oh, and like slap me in the face. Oh, come on. Go. And like spin me in a circle. Like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> and I just don't want to get drunk around him because he's messing with me. <laughs> my parents didn't mind me getting drunk in high school. They trusted that I was responsible enough. What they didn't like was when I had my friends over and we would sort of go through their liquor cabinet that they, they, they were not down get, with that. getting the schnapps or I don't even know parents always have schnapps I think That's there true. was like brandy and whiskey. what is that my dad was really adamantly annoyed one time he wasn't like super angry but he was just like you know you have the ability to drink so much more like just drink beer I don't care if you drink all my beer if you really want to drink something <laughs> don't drink that stuff that shit's expensive true <laughs> enough I see when you when you mention that, especially because of the, the schnapps, but also the brandy. I remember that was like the classic drink you would steal from your parents mm. when you were a kid. Yeah. And then, of course, you'd get it away and then you'd squirrel it into a Pepsi bottle. See, I used to sneak <laughs> into my parents' liquor cabinet when I was like nine or ten in my, or the first house we lived in. And I remember one day I went to the cabinet and it had a padlock on it. And the padlock had your face <laughs> with a little... <laughs> A little <laughs> Ghostbusters X, X through it. it yeah. <laughs> Nancy, you had yet to come into your own with all the acting that you eventually got yourself into. At the time that you're telling us where you hadn't really reached that yet, what was the breaking point where you said, I want to be an actress or I want to be involved in theater club, etc.? Probably around the age of 12 or 13 is when I started taking drama classes. And back in Arkansas, we had this thing called forensics. I know they have it in some parts of Pennsylvania, too, but it's mostly a Midwestern thing where it's kind of like public a, speaking, sir, yeah, right? public speaking. And, you know, you would do like four to six minute solo pieces or oratories or improv, whatever. So I started getting involved in that. And that really helped me kind of just come out of my shell and be able to talk to people and not be shy and be able to like put myself out there and just feel comfortable in my own skin. So I think for me, it was. Um, I had a really good teacher in middle school, Miss Anna Govea, still my one and only role model. Shout um, out to Anna Govea. Ooh, the Olive <laughs> Govea. Yeah, she really um, kind of just helped me become comfortable with myself through theater and through learning about plays and how to talk to, in front of people, how to talk to people, get a message across, you know. So for me, that was definitely a huge turning point. Did you have a moment where you, you realized, like, I had to do something a little different in order to be given attention? I think for me, I never had like a specific moment that comes to mind when you ask that. It was more of just like a, 
okay, I feel different. So I'm just going to do things as closest to how I'm going to do them and how I should be doing them to be myself in order to get things done and to accomplish bigger things. So for me, it's all about authenticity, you know, and just doing things to your truest self. And maybe that to some people would seem quirky or different or going against the grain, like you said. But for me, it's just like, just just do you. Just do you and like good things will come. I think you're probably exactly right. I think that anyone that says they're doing them but does what everyone else is doing is just conforming. Totally. Totally, bro. Most people. (laughs) Most people. True enough. You have a little bit of an edge here on what what normally most people who come on the show have, which is is that by uh, being a little younger, uh, the majority of what you have is actually more digitally created videos that you put on social media. Um, how big with social media were you in high school? I was a huge Facebook fan, and I didn't discover Twitter until after it had become a thing. But Facebook for me, it, it was a way that I could stay in touch with my family in Romania, stay in touch with everyone in Pennsylvania, and connect to friends in Arkansas as well. Yeah. So, you know, it was a huge network of people that I could just, like, reach out to or post things about. Throughout high school, I would do, like, beauty pageants, and then I had, you know, the forensic stuff. So I'd always be posting videos and pictures from those things. When you said that when you were in high school, you were on Facebook? Yeah. When I was in high school, I was on MySpace. I, well, I mean, I was on MySpace, too. over MySpace. And then they only <laughs> made Facebook the year that I went to college. That was, like, yeah. the year that it was founded. 2005, we got it at college. But that was, like, by the time I was done. So I didn't really get it. And it was only the- college originally. Yeah, it was only college. Thefacebook.com. And yeah, it was only college. because you had to use your college email. Yep. I enjoyed <laughs> the fact that I didn't have to deal with that for more than a year because by the time uh, I was out of there, it, I think it exploded a little more into the mainstream of more than just schools. Um, but it sounds like that uh, for you, you were using it uh, to your advantage. You know, you were a performer. You wanted to be able to be seen. And uh, you obviously were inspired by plenty of different folks who had gone viral. Were you, you and your friends were doing stuff together or was it mainly like a solo project that you were sort of implementing social media into your performance art. It was a way for me to kind of look at things objectively. Like I would post something and then I would post a video. I'd post a Facebook status or like a short story that I wrote. And I look back on those because now that Facebook has that time hop thing where it's like, oh, five years ago today, you did this. So it's kind of cool to see all that um, play out every day and to see how creative and like open I used to be compared to now. I mean, I'm still creative and open about things, but you know, when you're younger, you're so much less inhibited and you're so much more open and willing to just kind of share yourself and really let it all out. And so that's cool to be able to look back on through social media. You're kind of discovering who you are. And as you're doing that, you're allowing people to discover you with them. I I think them with you. What does does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, it's like as you go along the way, whereas now I think the older, like we, you hold a little bit more tightly onto who you are just because it gets sometimes a little Which bit Which is totally fine, you know. Yeah, but sure. at the same time, it is a cool thing to be able to share your experience coming into your own with the rest of the world. That's awesome. They don't have to offer commentary to it or anything like that. But just allowing people to be a part of your process, I think, is very nice. That's what the arts are. Yeah. Well, you don't consider what you're doing online to be separate from who you are in person. The persona that you've created seems to be organic in that you're not uh, changing necessarily who you are for the audience of uh, more anonymous varieties. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about, uh, if you wanted to go into like marketing and stuff, you could market yourself a certain way and that would generate a certain audience. But I feel like if you're trying to be 
a speaker or a media star or just some sort of public figure, then you should really just be your most authentic self. And like through social media, like people can tell when I'm having a bad day because I'll just post 10 tweets in a row like, fuck this, the taxi's late and blah, blah, blah. I, I did take a look at your Twitter and I was really <laughs> impressed that uh, as I was prepping for the show and falling asleep, I, I took a quick check of the Twitter just to see, you know, if like when's the last time you posted and it was like an hour or two ago <laughs> before, <laughs> before I went. So I was like, okay, so this woman like tweets when she wants to tweet and like a lot of people do i don't but that's you know you speak your mind yeah that's awesome yeah i'm trying to get more into twitter i feel like twitter's more happening right now facebook is kind of on the decline twitter is becoming more relevant again how so you just see articles every day they're always referencing tweets they're referencing people things that people post things that people retweet commentary it's, on it's stuff the, it's the hot place that's so political that now information too. when it really gets released it happens there that's where memes start Exactly. Like one of the biggest things the that is, is a, a hobby of mine is that I'm really into baseball. And you go on Twitter and it's the same way. All the different pundits, their tweet, they're like, yeah, I just talked to, you know, so-and-so and they think they might do this. And then you'll read an article later that was just them quoting Twitter. I feel like you can get information faster from Twitter, too. It's perfect for the amount of attention span that the modern person has. <laughs> 140 characters is as long as I can really focus No, now on. it's 210. <gasps> So now you can really let it all out. I don't know if I'm ready for it. <laughs> is it two, I think it's 280, isn't it? 140 and now 280. You had been in touch with your parents who were so kind enough to look at videos that you had. Uh, I want to bring this up because I didn't want to forget that uh, your parents did make a valiant effort to try and get older material from you and could not make it happen. Could you tell just a little bit about this and what these videos were, even though we're not going to be able to... Uh, oh, yeah, to definitely. I had really young parents. My mom was 19 when she got pregnant with me and my dad was 20. And so they tried to document as much as they could everything about me growing up. And we just have cassettes and cassettes and cassettes of me just sitting in my own shit, you know, like in the living room or like uh, going on rants about my uncle's girlfriend at the time who I hated. There's this whole video of me like in my grandparents' home in Romania just being like, I hate Bridget. She's such a bitch. She's stealing my uncle. In Romanian? In Romanian, Oh, my goodness. So I'm just like sitting there ranting. If I played it, no one would be able to understand, but it would sound cool. Oh, 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 it it does not matter. If we don't understand it, that's why you will have to come back to play those if they're salvageable. I, I can only we think. had Angel Yao on the show, and she had stuff that was in Mandarin. Oh, that's awesome. That's true. Wow. And then um, yeah. I was going to say, we, I was trying to think of how many people we've had stuff in another language. Angel and also um, Axel, his brother. Correct. They had some Spanish. Yep. They were singing theme songs to 80s TV shows in Spanish, but they weren't actually awesome. Spanish translations. They were just them pretending to yeah. speak English like as a Spanish person would. It was genius. It was right. really hysterical. Yeah. When that stuff is, uh, if if it and when it is salvageable, by all means, you'll have to bring it back. That just sounds really funny. Essentially, no different than what you're doing now. When you have something you want to say, you will say it. You use the power of Twitter to do what everybody else does and to vent. And just as well, your parents were documenting what you were saying back then as, a, what, like a nine-year-old, you said? This was when I was, yeah. I mean, some of these videos were when I was uh, eight or nine. Some of them I was like five or six. They're kind of all over the place, and they have so many cassettes. But that's the thing is, like, they're the tiny cassettes, so you have to put them in a bigger cassette to be able to play them on a VCR. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 he knows all about that crap. I don't know what the names are, but I have something similar to the video camera that I have. If it's the same one, that'd be hilarious. When my mom got pregnant with me, she was in Romania, but my dad was here in the U.S. working and trying to save up money and mm-hmm. you know get paperwork together. Are both of your parents Romanian? Yes. Okay. So I found videos that they would send each other. 
they would send each other cassettes just like instead of writing love letters they would take videos of themselves sitting on the couch and have entire conversations through cassette mail and um, I found the video where my mom told my dad that she was pregnant with me. Oh, awesome. Wow. And she was like, she, she looked so young in it. She looks like me now, but younger and skinnier. She's so gorgeous. But she's sitting there in this giant sweater and she's like twiddling her fingers and she's like, you know, just she can't even find the words to be like, I'm pregnant. And I've been trying to figure out how to tell you for a few months now. And uh, this is what we're doing. Take it or leave it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really special. Yeah. And I found that on my own. Like they had never showed it to me or anything. I was just sitting in my, oh my sister's God. room looking through these tiny VCR things. How old like, were you oh, when you God. found them? This was like three years ago. My God. Yeah. That's intense. Uh, yeah. when, and then when you found it, you brought it up with them. You're like, why didn't you tell me about this? Yeah. I mean, I try to bring up family stuff all the time to them. And they just kind of brush it off. Like, we don't want to talk about the past. Mm. I don't know. They're kind of like avoidant in talking about those things. I but feel you, like you don't have a problem about that. No, though. whatever. I like exploring my family dynamics and like the stories. And, you know, we have such an interesting history too. my grandfather fled the country during communism and he got captured by communist soldiers. He got sent to a concentration camp, fled the concentration camp, got to a refugee camp. From there, he won the visa lottery and came to the U.S. I love exploring that stuff. I would love to learn more about my family. There's so much that I don't know yet. Yeah, I think that sometimes if people have checkered pasts, they don't. It's hard for them oh, to talk for sure. About. I mean, that must be such a that story specifically. I'm just giving you an inkling. You know, one person that um I would love to learn more about is my dad's dad because of that. But yeah, there's so much that people yeah. just don't want to bring up anymore. My father told me that when he would question my grandfather about World War II, it was just like prying the stories out mm -hmm. and my father became a world war ii historian probably because he was infatuated with his father similarly as many sons are mm -hmm. and the same way he said yeah he barely told me anything he's like i got a couple of stories out of him and i had to just go and interview other people that weren't my father yeah yeah because because sure he didn't you know in the same way you want to protect your kid yeah you don't want them to hear like horrible things that could have happened well it's I funny because now my my grandfather asked my mom to ask me to interview him about his entire story because he wants me to write some sort of uh, play or theatrical piece about it, which I was actually working on a few years ago when I started school here oh in God. New York. Yes. Take a tape recorder in with you, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> or just you know, use your phone to record it. Like I, I just use my phone to record. Maybe I, I should bring him on Coffee and Anal, the podcast. <laughs> All right. Are you going to tell him the title of the podcast? <laughs> This, this is the second week in a row that anal has come up, uh, not because of uh, what we were trying to do. but We were uh, talking about it last week? We were? Mm, there was a phone call that we got. Oh, yeah, oh, there yeah, was yeah, an anal yeah, phone yeah, call. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I like long walks on the beach in it after anal. Yeah. <laughs> Afternoon anal. <laughs> Afternoon anal. What a okay. good that could be a nice part. podcast Are, theme, too. <laughs> tell us about coffee and anal uh, quickly. What, what, what is that all about? How did that um, come about? Yes, yeah, so it's a podcast that I host with my uh, good friend Kimberly Rios, and we interview different people about different sex cultures. So we've interviewed like a YouTube sex toy test uh, product reviewer. We've interviewed just normal people telling us about about how they used to fuck their uh, neighbor for free haircuts. Just kind of exploring different sexual cultures and learning about like kind of what gets people off, but without making it a porno podcast. Um, it's a little open-ended. We interview people about feminism, sexuality, pop culture, dating, just talking about their lives. I'm not sure if whoever is listening is interested in hearing that, but um, I know for a fact that Radio Free Brooklyn does foster quite a community a very open-minded folks and uh if people want to hear that podcast uh where can they hear it it's on itunes soundcloud spreaker tune in and it can be found on my website nancympop.com we do have so much to cover 
ladies and gentlemen. And uh, so <laughs> I like that, ladies and gentlemen. We've got so much to cover. We have so much to cover in the second half. So when we come back, we'll dive into the high school sounds of Miss Nancy Pop right here on Lost and Rewound Radio Free. <laughs> You see what he said there? He's trying to bring it there. He is. <laughs> We're bookish. That's, no. not, that's not what I heard. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, we're here with Nancy Pop. This is Lost and Rewound. Again, if you want to go and uh, contribute any of your old audio, Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Much like what Nancy's going to do here in just a second. Tell us about the first clip we're going to hear. So this first clip is a video I shot with my little sister, Amalia. She was, I want to say she was five years old in this video. And it's a video I made to get elected into student council as junior class vice president. I lost to um, some kid named Zach, who um, I had no relationship with, so I can't really talk shit about him. Mm. But, but he's uh, the worst. This is yeah. kind of yeah, he's the worst. Fuck him. This is kind of a ransom video I made of her. So did you not win because of this video? Let's, let's, maybe, maybe let's, people thought it was child abuse. Let's listen. Yeah. All right, go. Hi, my name's Amalia Pop. I'm Nancy's little sister. When I was a baby, she found me in the box by the road on the highway. She took really good care of me. She fed me and clothed me. So she's super cool. So she's super cool. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Please vote for her for school class president. Student class president. Student class president. Because otherwise. Because otherwise, if you don't, she's going to put me back in that box by by the by the road. So please vote for her for school class president. For student class president. Whoa. <laughs> that was great. That that just was like a Richter scale like ten point oh <laughs> on the cute scale. But I just love <laughs> She does she really doesn't get what she's saying no is, not no. at all <laughs> but now she watches it and she loves showing her friends she's like look at this thing i made i used to be a superstar i was a movie star on facebook <laughs> now you ingenious you it's posted ingenious. that on facebook and you were campaigning a little bit through social media for your role yes. as student council president so i campaigned through facebook but i also had that video played on all of the tvs in my school so people would see that about once a day oh my in the mornings like before morning is that, announcements is that how it would work in in public schools like when there was that kind of campaigning you could actually like 
use the TVs and have your videos played? I think you had to submit your video by a certain day and there had to be requirements. Like it had to be under a minute long. You couldn't, uh, double, you know, tag team and like double up on campaign videos because then some people could have multiple campaign videos. Um, so as long as you had just one, it was under a minute, you got it in by a certain day, they would play it every day in the morning before announcements. Crazy. You know what's so funny is I had a somewhat similar yeah, we talked about this, yeah. right? Because when I ran for student class president, nice. also I won though. Stuco. <laughs> yeah, but, but then you didn't want to keep it though. You no, because when I found out that all I was supposed, to, I was oh, going to be doing classic. was like, I was senior class president, and then they were like, "Yeah, all you're going to do is manage the dances and like other, and then, you know, yearbook. You'll decide who's on what page." And then you yeah. promptly resigned. I resigned the moment I got it. But <laughs> what I did is similar to yours. Rather than make a a bold threat. For people to vote for me i thought of another sort of like you know dictatorial thing was i said if i just make campaign posters with my face on them no one else had their face in their posters and i put them everywhere like propaganda posters people will just vote for me because they won't know who the other people are but they'll know who i am because they saw my face everywhere my poster said nothing of what i was going to do it's just a picture of me and said my name and said vote for me <laughs> and then I had friends of mine who were girls to go, go put them in the, in the ladies' restroom, like in the stalls. Mm-hmm. I remember some girl walked up to me in the school one day. She goes, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> like, what? She's like, you were in this piece of paper watching me pee, so I voted for you. <laughs> See? You were threatening me to vote. It totally worked. It totally worked. The only way you were able to uh, convince anybody to vote for you is that they had to uh, keel over to the cute. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean... A child's life is on the line. How could you say no? Uh, That's so smart. If anything, that just says terrible things about my classmates. They didn't want to save her life. I was going to put her in the box. Back in that box. Another thing I used to do is I would put the papers in all these places they weren't supposed to be, and they would get kids to clean them up. So I'd have all these kids who get mad cleaning up campaign posters of mine that were incorrectly placed. What did the guy who won do? I can only imagine what he did. I don't know. He was a star on the basketball team. I don't think he did much. (laughs) I really don't remember. Like it's always it was a popularity so, contest. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh sure. So I just built up my karma points over the next year and kissed ass until people, you know, until elections came around again. And then I made another uh, somewhat threatening video with my sister, and um, that worked. That second one worked. Cool. That that one worked. Yeah. Yes. And uh, what ended up becoming of your sister? Uh, obviously, being in that box prepared her for such uh, an experience. But then uh, now she's what? She's like, she's twelve now. You said. So she just had her twelfth birthday. I went back to Arkansas to babysit her while my parents went on like a tour of Yellowstone on my dad's Harley. And then uh, without telling my parents, they drove her up to Chicago for the weekend. It was a nine and a half hour drive there and then nine and a half hours back. And we were like sitting at this really fancy rooftop uh, restaurant downtown. And she was like, yeah, I just had my third kiss. And I'm like on a roll right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, girl. I don't even know what a what a male species was at twelve. No one would look at me, and she's like, "Well, I'm on the cheer team, so things are a little different for me." <laughs> oh no! I'm like, oh, okay, wow. okay, okay. So you're just waiting for her to come and blaze trails, and like, you better make it. Yeah, <laughs> better seriously make it. See, I had a I had a family member that was like far and away the most successful family member that will ever come out of my family. So I don't feel like I ever need to. I can Wait, never get there. Who? My uncle. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. My what uncle. uncle do? My uncle discovered global warming so Wait, i don't think we've actually talked about we this. haven't actually talked about it on the air run, run this over to us quickly so my uncle uh was john stephen hoffman who what? used to work for the environmental protection agency and 
he signed the Kyoto Protocol and he discovered global warming and he told Al Gore about it. And oh yeah, you're fucked. And then Al Gore, yeah, like I just, there's, I'm never gonna get there. Like, no. there's no way to like you best. Give up now. Um, I don't even know why you're on the radio. You know what's funny is you say <laughs> you say give up now, but I've already given up. It's all right. Yeah, but, but you're still trying. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is fun. I'm not getting. I'm getting paid right now. I what are you talking you. about? <laughs> your uh, job situation nancy when you were in high school did you ever think that you would amount to anything more than what you were doing when you were in high school working at the mcdonald's absolutely not i knew that that was the end of the rope for me and i was uh, very happy with it very satisfied you- i ran that mcdonald's on highway 12 are you kidding me i fucking ran it Whoa. i had a whole blog about it did you eat a lot of nuggets and stuff didn't eat the nuggets but i ate a lot of mcflurries and i would purposefully accidentally make too many smoothies so i could just give them out to people those smoothies were good at McDonald's. I was like a pretty good advertiser. Like, honestly, that McDonald's gained so much business and traction because I was giving people so much free shit. I would keep going back to places to give me free stuff. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, you're you, right. You might buy something. Creating creating customers is is much better than in just that mo- losing a couple dollars in that moment. Mm-hmm. If they're going to continue to come back to just your McDonald's after that. Totally. Boom. If only they knew. You don't win the student class president, but... You know, years go by and you realize that, you know, this is a sign you have to work on, you know, responsibility. And you probably had jobs definitely that you liked even more before the McDonald's gig, right? The McDonald's gig was my second ever job. Okay. Before that, my first real job, I worked at my sister's preschool for three years as a teacher's assistant. Okay. I cleaned up a lot of kids' shit and I took a lot of naps. So you go from cleaning up a lot of kids' shit to a lot of naps to no naps and just cleaning up a ton of shit. Cleaning up adult shit. Right. Yeah. Fair. Mm, yep, 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 yep. What's what is this next clip we're going to hear then with you and your McDonald's outfit or so, uniform? I should say. Yes. Yeah, so outfit. this is a. I got accepted <laughs> your into your work outfit. <laughs> I got accepted into Marymount Manhattan College, the school I ended up going to, and we had a Facebook group where we could all get to know each other before moving into the dorms and like socializing and doing the whole college thing. And so I kind of started this trend on the Facebook group to make videos of ourselves or you know take photos and like, introduce each other. And uh, this is my introductory video. Hi, uh, uh, my name is Nancy Pop, and I'm auditioning for the role of female um, for Jingle Bell Rock. I'm going to start now. What a bright time, it's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle bell time, it's a swell time to get ready in a one horse sleigh. But I'm giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet, jingle around the Fuck! <laughs> Holy shit. All right, we need context there. I was not prepared for that. There are some visuals that need explaining. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that was unreal. You were very upset with that video. You were very upset with the quality of your dance or the video at the singing I or something. I strive for greatness, and anything less than great is just awful. Allison, how would you explain what you just saw? I would say mental institution <laughs> because too many McFlurries and brain freezes. I would describe it as a drunk Cindy Lauper in a McDonald's costume. Yes. <laughs> like, did you, that, that choreography, obviously those out there listening can't see the dancing that was going with that singing, but. Your loss. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's very easy to describe. You are standing 
and you are in a McDonald's uniform, and Highways you are, pants. and yeah. it seems like you're trying to figure out the choreography while I'm you're having singing. a very personal moment. Um, provocatively in my McDonald's uniform, and yeah, you're, you're you're doing some twerking. <laughs> I don't know. There's some twerking involved there. It, seemed it like was it the might age have. of twerking. That was the birth of twerking. Was around that time period. You were twerking a little bit. You mm-hmm. were putting your heads on your hand and doing a little bit of spinning around. And uh, I don't know if there was any foot movement, but there was a lot of grinding and uh, twerking going on. I mean, I give the people what they want. That's true. I feel like your character in that definitely. She's having a hard time in life in general. She's on the cusp of her breakthrough moment. Or a massive breakdown. <laughs> breakthrough or breakdown. I mean, you decide. I'm telling you, you could completely recreate that scene and put it into like Should. any comedy show. <laughs> this, this intro to this character. Yeah. I, I'm almost curious what other people did for their videos in comparison to yours. <laughs> Nothing? Honestly, nothing in comparison. Yeah. Nothing I can uh, reminisce on. Really, just like sitting down at their computer, like, "Hi, my name is uh, Sam. I uh, like musicals." And it's like we all like musicals. That's why we're good at these. Sam is now a casting director. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh okay. no, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> just... I made that up. Well, I'd be curious as to your impressions of people through those videos. This is sort of working both ways, though. Your impressions of people from their videos versus their impression of you when people are seeing who you are through this and then they see you in person. And just as well, when you see these people that you're like, nah, and then you meet them in person and they're like, oh, that's really awesome. There must have been a really nice rapport that already begun because of this really creative way of socializing through these videos. Totally. There were definitely a few people who right off the bat from posting that video and from them posting their own thing. I knew I was going to be lifetime friends with who I am actually good friends with to nice. this day. Like I remember my two best friends right off the bat in college, Chris and Harry. The first moment I saw them in person, I'm like, oh, my God, it's you guys. Like, this is crazy. Like, we need to go and have coffee, you know, have a coffee. Let's grab some sushi. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. We've been besties for the resties. <laughs> besties for the resties. What was your first job when you got to the city? <sighs> oh, no. Burger King. <laughs> the trader of One worlds. step up. No, I, I worked in a I worked in a doggy daycare for three months. No, yeah. really. Which sounds like it'd be an awesome job, and but for it a wasn't. day it was. Sure for it a sucked. day it was. And after that first day, I walked into that doggy daycare every day and was just like, just fucking eat me alive. Like, I want these wolves to just drag me by and throw me over the East River. I can't take this anymore. Well, Alon is a a dog (laughs) fiend. I'm I'm not just a dog fiend. I'm an animal lover. Oh, I love animals and I love dogs, but I do not love watching 30 dogs. And they're all at at one time in a tiny room and they're all eating each other's shit and they're all fighting and they're trying to. It's just like, I'm like, it's not worth it. And it was only $9 an hour, too, which, you know, didn't make it any better, especially in New York. Yeah. So I quit after three months. I had a friend of mine was working in a kennel. She said, I was asking her, I said, How do you like working in the kennel? And she's like, It's the worst. I was like, why? She's like, so many poops. All I do is clean poops all day. I'll ask you, Nancy, are you more into movies or are you into plays as an actor? Do you uh, gravitate towards certain arts? I think I gravitate more towards television shows. Television. Yeah, because at least with that, you can watch it over time and really get to know the characters and relationships. With a movie, it's really cool because you get to see this whole storyline play out. But you're into um, the serial. Yeah, I want to see how it plays out over like 10 seasons. Did you have a favorite TV show growing up? 
favorite TV show growing up. I uh, watched a lot of cartoons. I watched a lot of Dexter's Lab. Hell yeah. Yes. Powerpuff Girls. Johnny Bravo. Mm. Good stuff. You know what's wild? And I was just thinking about this recently. Johnny Bravo is basically just a scummy dude. Yeah. He's just the worst dude. Johnny Bravo sucks ass. <laughs> he all- lives with his mom and like... He's the grab him by the pussy guy. Yeah, that's who he is. But like, I don't know. They legitimized him to me at the time. It's like, this guy has cool was, hair. I used to think he was hilarious. I used to love Johnny Bravo. But can you think, <laughs> when you think <laughs> about like, he had such a weird relationship with that redheaded girl. He'd be like, hey, little lady. The and they would all, but they would, they would, he would never get a time of day from any chick, right? Except for that little girl, which is so weird when you think about it. How creepy that is. Yeah, yeah, really creepy. Highly hey, problematic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, what was the other one? Cow and chicken. Yep. Oh, I loved cow and chicken. Mommy had a chicken. Daddy had a cow. The only thing is they don't know how. Do, <laughs> do, do, do. Oh, Ed and Nettie as well. Ed and Nettie. Yes. That was like a what brought Cartoon Network's uh, sort of flagship cartoon uh, um, programming on the map. Yes. Absolutely. In the in the early two thousands, late nineties, uh, late nineties, late nineties. It was before, or rather after, that when like they used to just do old time cartoons and just play all old cartoons. Correct. And they finally got their own generation. Yes. 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 By that time, I was getting more into the Adult Swim far. Nice. Yeah. Um, See, I agree with Nancy though because I really like watching TV, and it's it's hard for me to watch a movie. I cannot go to the theater. Really? Just can't. I can't sit in one place for two hours. Oh, well, I like going to the theater. I just have a hard time mm. sitting through a movie if I'm on my couch stoned at home. Then I'll fall asleep. Just movies. Yep. See, even if I watch a movie at the house, I'll watch half of it, and then I'll watch it like a week later. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is on some Alamo Drafthouse shit, I'm pretty sure. But like, if you go to Battery Park Regal Cinemas, that theater is cush. You go in. Yeah, I've been there. It's nice. Reclining it is nice. Reclining seats. You get si- oh, yeah, assigned yeah, yeah. seats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. And like, you have... Uh, the ability to relax in this large plush chair and you put your food and your drink right there and you can just relax. You're not in an uncomfortable airplane-like seat. You can just watch this movie like you're watching it at home. It's not like I'm watching it at home. You know why? <laughs> because you don't have as comfortable of a situation at it's home. Beca- well, true. But it's because every movie, I gotta take a piss. I gotta think of piss, and then inevitably will miss the best part of the film. It's just how it goes. That's just true. Get a catheter. That's me all the time, all the way. <laughs> just get a catheter. Just wear a diaper. Are you talking That's about? Very tiny are you talking bladder. about the slip over or the go in one? Maybe you should do both. Oh lord, this is totally segueing. But uh, when did you do Into the Woods? I did Into the Woods my senior year of high school. I played the narrator. So obviously I'm from Romania, like I was talking about earlier. And uh, my drama teacher at the time asked me before we started rehearsals, he's like, hey, I wanted to ask you about this directorial idea I had, but I don't want to be insensitive to your culture. Do you mind? Can we make the narrator kind of like a storytelling traveling gypsy? And I'm like, that's not insensitive. I'll fucking do it. I don't care. So, uh, yeah, they dressed me up in like all of this Romanian garb that I had laying around the house and just put on fake moles and like giant wrinkles on my face. And the entire show, I was just hunched over, like croaking to the entire audience. The last clip we have to share is a video and the audio is more dominant, but we have to set up what the visual is because it is you in this makeup holding your Pomeranian. Yeah, it's a tiny little Pomeranian named Tigger. Is Tigger still alive? He is. He's a little snuffle-lump. Oh. He's so cute. This is a, an amazing visual. You know, when you are obviously not in character, but you have all the makeup as you are in that character, you are looking 
at the camera. What's the nature of the clip? So the weekend that we were performing into the woods, the forensics team that I was on, they were at a tournament and I was not able to partake in the tournament, obviously, because I'm doing the play. So I wanted to make a little video in the makeup to just be like, miss you guys, love you, take care, break a leg. What goes through your head when you see this? I guess just like, wow, that was me trying to uh, connect to my friends. Holding a dog, like another ransom video kind of, I'm holding my dog just in this threatening way, wearing this makeup and being like, life is fine and like, I miss y'all. Let's watch and you out there will listen. (laughs) Let's watch. Let's watch. Watch. Hey guys, it's Nancy here, your forensics and debate secretary. I just wanted to make a quick video and say good luck tomorrow at this tournament at Central. You guys are going to do great. You know, don't be nervous. Just have fun. Be a family. There's this thing called teamwork that Ms. Woods talks about. I don't know what that is, but try to have some of it. (laughs) Um, For the sophomores that are scared because it's your first varsity forensics tournament or it's probably just your first year in forensics in general, you know, don't be scared. Just have fun. Um, just do your absolute best and, you know, interact with the with the upperclassmen. Don't be afraid to talk to them. And upperclassmen, don't not talk to the sophomores. Don't you remember when you were a sophomore and it was really awkward? Exactly. Um, debate. I don't really know all of you, but I love you. Do good. <laughs> Listen. If you guys get second place like we did last year at Heritage, I can't look you guys in the eye anymore during class and in the hallways. So, as much as I care about being a family, you best be getting first place. You heard. Anyways, so yeah, have fun tomorrow and Saturday. Come back with a first place trophy. Win the Sportsmanship Award. Let's pretend like that award actually exists. And let's win it. And, like I said, have fun. Connect. If you don't, I'm going to turn him into a pie. Good night. Of course, you're threatening to, again, (laughs) destroy the livelihood of someone you care about. That's so great. It's like my shtick. Yeah. I mean, so... Do people always come through, or do you have, like, is just a, a trail of bodies in your wake? Oh, uh, there is just a trail of bodies in my setback of failures. <laughs> cool. The freshmen weren't allowed to go on these, but only sophomores uh, and up were? Freshmen, I think they had their own, like, league. So they didn't compete against the varsity schools in terms of, like, the schools competing against each other. Because basically the way that it works is... Everyone competes in their individual events, and then you get the schools get certain points based off of how everyone places. Mm-hmm. But anyone who was eighth or ninth grade would compete in their own oh, division. Got it. So for the sophomores, that was their first year being able to compete at a varsity level and really compete against other varsity level speech and debaters. You kind of reminded me of like the foster mother I'd never want. <laughs> <laughs> she would probably have like. Just a little bit of vodka and promise you things, and yeah. then like do the exact opposite of what. She That's promised. my mom, my foster mom. <laughs> with the makeup, like I think you understood how emoting with that makeup on. I was creeped out. I'm telling you, it's good comedy. It was. Thank I you. felt. Thank I you. felt it in my balls. You know, that's <laughs> where you feel. That's where you felt feel. It in re- my groin. Real fear. That's, I told. I told guys that before. I said, you know, you ever gotten real scared in your balls? My faint quivered. Hell yeah! It's, it's like it's like your spidey sense is tingling. You know. <laughs> How were you received by 
people that you didn't know? Like, did you like get along with people you didn't know, or did you sort of close yourself off a little bit to the folks that you didn't know in classic theater kid? You had your friends, and anybody else was like, meh, whatever. Where were you pretty social? Um, that was a question. That was just like yeah. a very, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a multi-tiered question. Yeah, <laughs> I love a good layered cake. I'm the cake maker. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the time I was pretty oblivious to that, honestly. I was just very open to everyone and like talkative and I just put myself out there. Looking back, I think I definitely had a small group of friends that I regularly spoke to and hung out with. And then I just kind of liked to be the eccentric weirdo in the hallways being like, hey, Mark, you know, where are you going? Art class? Okay, I'm coming too. Wow. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, at the time, I don't think I really had any uh, inhibitions about it. Okay. Forensics, again, is a sort of, a, a, I think we just called it uh, Model Congress. Where yes. We also had Model United Nations. Um, yeah, that was I another like that. debate thing. Yeah, yeah, I did that too. It was really cool. And then you get a chance to meet folks from other schools and that therein lies a sort of an interesting dynamic when you are not seeing the same kids that you normally would be seeing on a daily basis totally and fresh meat (laughs) (laughs) so when you did uh model you in what country were you well i did it for three years and one country i remember specifically doing was angola And the reason why I remember that, it was because every other country had like 10 kids representing it. Angola had me and my friend Dylan DeLuca. And we had to represent the entire country and all aspects of that country. And I just remember that year, um, like I said, I was really into beauty pageants in high school. And that year, Miss Angola at Miss Universe had this massive top bun. So I made sure to wear the same top bun when I represented (laughs) Angola. And... uh, I was kind of like a bitch during all of the debates. I'd be like, no, Angola declines your preposition or Angola rejects your notion or whatever. And so me and Dylan started a hashtag on Twitter called hashtag Angola bitches. Man. Yeah. But we, we clicked on the hashtag to see who else, you know, posted it. And other people from the conference were posting about us being like hashtag Angola bitches, not letting any resolutions pass through the Congress. And I'm like, <laughs> is this top bun, bitch? It'd be, it'd be amazing if there were people from Angola that were like, oh, we doing it live. Oh man, you know, that really reminds me of exactly the way that I approached Model UN. Uh, For us, we didn't have multiple people assigned to one country, everybody had a single country. Really? And we went, yeah, and then we actually went to Tufts and we had like a trip and we went with all these other schools the same way. And I was in Indonesia, and Zach Poots, who was a guest on our show, was North Korea. So we decided to make like a new axis of evil and try to subvert everybody yeah. else's resolutions. I've never heard about that. Yeah, because I looked up Indonesia and I was like researching everything about it. And I'm like, this is a pretty raucous place. They condone torture. They were in the process of having a genocide. I was like, okay, so I'm going to just be real. I'm going to just be Indonesian, but I'm not going to placate people. Right. Well, the cool thing I thought, what I thought was really awesome about Model United Nations, especially for high schoolers, is that there is a performance aspect to it. Like, you definitely have to stay in character of that country. You can't just be saying shit because you feel like it. You have to really know, like, what their stances are on religion and social economics and politics and everything because, they're, you know, you're supposed to be playing it out as though it's the actual UN. So it's a really good educational experience, but it's also, like... I got to wear a fucking bun and be like, I'm from Angola, bitch. And like, I'm going to reject all your notions. Please tell us that there's a photo of that. Yes, there is. Okay. Please <laughs> send I'll us show a, you. We, we need to make sure that that gets out there. Very large. Very in charge. 
<laughs> this has been so much fun. Yeah, Nancy, you, it's you've been got, a blast. How is it to be hearing slash seeing these videos? Uh, I mean, obviously they've been on the social media, but he, seeing them now uh, in a different light, being a little older now, you have a different perspective. It's really interesting to me because I've been uh, working on a play these past few months all about my childhood, but it's about my childhood up until the age of 13. And so watching these videos more from my high school era, it's cool to see how I changed from being a wee little toddler to being a full-fledged woman. Do you have a working title for that play? It's called Thumbsucker. Okay. I used to suck my thumb up until I was 13. So it's straight to the point. Mm-hmm. To the uh, you, you've got your finger on the pulse. I was gonna say, your <laughs> you got your thumb really on that tack there. <laughs> Great, and and in terms of all the other projects you have going on right now, we mentioned Coffee and Anal, uh, which is all over the web. You have the show at Artichoke Bastilles every month. Every last Wednesday of the month. Every last Wednesday of the yeah. month with Meg McDermott. And uh, what other projects do you have? I mean, you have your website, nancympop.com. Yep. You're and then the uh, I just media. started hosting a monthly playwriting workshop at Spoonbill and Sugartown Booksellers on Montrose Avenue. So we did our first workshop last night, actually. We had three featured playwrights, 15-minute excerpts, worked through those plays, gave a lot of great notes. It's a free, free workshop for anyone who wants to join in. You just have to email me your script, and we'll try to fit you in where we can. And workshop your script, bring actors, direct it a little bit, have fun. We were, yeah, we were like chilling for three hours, just drinking wine and workshopping these scripts. Oh, super cool. Super dope. Uh, Would you want to give your email address out? Sure. You can uh, email me, nancy at the number two marketmedia.com. And you're on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, PantsyNop, P-A-N-C-Y-N-O-P. I think I want to come, like, because you have coffee and anal, now I want... I feel like we need to start something, and I want to call it Queefing in Chanel. Queefing in Chanel, <laughs> that is such our brand. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. And the promo wow. photos are us just hunched over a giant bag of Chanel with just gas coming out of us. Yes. Oh, man. It's, oh. This is uh, it's just you're, – you're bringing me back. I, you can see the way <laughs> – you're bringing us back. <laughs> you can see the way. Back to winter. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it, it just reminds me so much of uh, more of your classics, like when you used to run Death Pussy, where you met, right? You know? Death Pussy! I mean, again, it, there's a theme to your humor. It's visceral. I like it. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> this has been our final episode recording from the basement on Cobb Avenue in Bushwick. So uh, when you catch us here next week, we will be at our new location Nancy. over in uh, more of the Morgantown area. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Nancy for bringing her teen years on display for our episode today. This has been episode 101 of Lost and Rewound. Lost and Rewound 101. We learning. We learning. We'll see y'all next week at our new location. In the meantime, my name is Alon. My name is Jimmy. I'm Allison. Lost and Rewound. Radio Free Brooklyn. Nor are my lobster claws. <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. You never heard of lobster claws? No. Good. <laughs> I'll save men embarrassment everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I see it.